around, shake hands and fellowship, welcome our visitors, let them know how So rich and sweet, cast thy poor soul. And 
Remain same word of prayer. Bob McCoy, if you would, please lead us in prayer. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 529. No, not one. <clears throat> Oh, uh -huh. 
Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. We encourage you and remind you that everything you give on Wednesday nights goes to support of our Bible conference in the fall. And also want to remind you now, we're just a couple of weeks away from our spring revival this Sunday and then the next Sunday, I believe it is, if I'm not mistaken. And I want you to be praying for the meeting and making plans to be here every night. And I know the Lord will bless you for it. How many of you are praying for revival? How many of you should be praying for revival? I'll do that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for being the lowly Jesus, and you are indeed all that our hearts could ever need. We ask you now to bless the offering tonight. We thank you for our conference in the fall. We thank you for what it means to this place and what it has meant to us through the years and what it has meant to many others. So I pray you provide for it, and we thank you for these that give so faithfully on Wednesday night to show their love for the servants of God and for many, many others and to be a blessing to others. Anything, Lord, we have learned by experience that we do for others comes back to us in many, many different ways. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to give for this cause. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've ever thought about uh, the people in Bible times. Sometimes we think of them as somehow different than we are, but I think they had the same desires, the same fears, the same needs that we do. And I thought about uh, the time of, we're soon going to be looking at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection. Think about his mother who lost her firstborn and how grieving it was for her the night before the resurrection. And uh, I know the pastor's talked about, and I'm sure he'll continue talking about his grandchildren and new ones coming along. And 
and I have uh, three grandchildren. And I think about my little Justin, who just turned six a month or so ago. Think about the little children that Jesus told the disciples, forbid them not, let them come to me, and how Jesus talked to those little children. And I wonder how their parents were able to explain to them the night before Easter and after the crucifixion, how they told the children, because I'm sure they asked questions. They knew what had gone on in the town. But then Easter, when Christ rose from the grave, how those parents could tell those children that Jesus had been risen from the grave and how wonderful that was. And um, I found this old, old song. Uh, uh, Rick and Mike said they hadn't heard it in years. And uh, I really like what it has to say. It talks about the night before Easter and how these people felt and then how they felt after Christ rose from the grave the night before Easter. A mother is smiling 
crying, a mother is smiling for death, could not hold their king. I haven't heard that in a long time myself. What a blessing. I want you to look at one verse of Scripture tonight, Psalm 34, if you would please be finding Psalm 34. I have been thinking for some time about maybe preaching on the attributes of God. I'm not starting that. When I talk about the attributes of God, I'm talking about the person, nature of the Lord. When I preached the series through the book of Isaiah, a few months ago, my mind and heart was drawn to God and things about him and I tried to emphasize some aspects of the person and nature of the Lord as we went through that particular series. But there is one particular attribute of the Lord that he has endeared to our heart in recent days and that is his goodness. I want you to stand and look at Psalm 34 in verse 8 and I want us to think tonight about this thought, God is good all the time. You believe that tonight? God is good all the time. Look at verse 8, Psalm 34. This is a tremendous statement in the Scripture. The Bible said in Psalm 34, 8, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, it's one thing to know that He's good, but it's another thing to experience that goodness. But the psalmist said, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And we'll think tonight, give you three simple little thoughts how that God is good and that He's good all the time. Our Father, tonight, as we come to you, we love you. We thank you for the God that you are. You're a God that continually amazes us. Lord, the more we experience you and the more that we learn of you, the more we are amazed at you. And what you do for us and who you become to us, we thank you so much for being a God that is good. I pray tonight that you'd remind all of us in this building, may we taste and see that the Lord is good. Draw near to us, Lord, as we seek to draw near to you. Let us learn of you. Let us meet you. Let us become acquainted with you. Let us know you better. Draw our hearts unto you tonight and in the days to come. Thank you again for your word. Speak to our hearts now in this midweek service and we'll thank you and praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now there, when I talk about the goodness of God, I am talking about something that I have always believed and something that I have always declared and it's something I have known and experienced through the years and something that I am learning in a very special and a very precious way, and it's simply that God is good. Over and over, the Scripture talks about God being good. The psalmist said in Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good. Psalm 100 in verse 5, the Scripture said, For the Lord is good. And Psalm 106 in verse 1, Praise you, the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. Psalm 107 in verse 1 said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. And I could go on and on and on, especially in the Psalms where it talks about the Lord is good. 
Now, the word good that is used in every one of the verses that I just quoted to you is used in a very wide sense. And it's used in the sense that God being good, therefore all that he is is good and all that he does is good. Can I say that again? When the Bible talks about God being good, it speaks of God being good, therefore all that he is is good and all that he does is good. The psalmist expressed the same thought in Psalm 119, 68 when he said, Thou art good and doest good. You see, God is good. Everything about him is good. Therefore, everything he does is good. And there is nothing that he, that, that he does or since God is good, he can do nothing but good. And how important it is as believers to know this and how blessed it is to learn this. But I say unto you tonight that not only is God good, not only is he good in everything about himself and in all that he does, but I stretch that just a point more. God is good, and he's good all the time. You see, he's not only good in himself, and not only good in all that he does, but he is good all the time. There's never a thing in which God does that he's not good and there is never a moment in which God is not good. Years ago, I'm, I'm sure I've told you this before, but I met a preacher, passed him somewhere on the street or in the mall, somewhere like that, and I asked him how he was doing. And he said to me, he said, I got up this morning and the house had not burned. The wife did not can have cancer and I'm feeling fine. He said, God is good. And I said, amen, and we kind of rejoiced a little bit about it and whatever. But a little bit later on, I got to thinking about what he had said. And I got to thinking, what if I had lost everything in a fire during the night? What if me or one of my loved ones or one of my loved ones or myself had cancer or some other disease? And I got to thinking, if that was the case, God is still good. You see, God is good and he's good all the time. Saying that, I want to give you three simple little thoughts tonight about God being good all the time. And when the psalmist told us in Psalm 34, verse 8, to taste and to see that the Lord is good, he is talking about perceiving the goodness of God. When he used the word taste there, it is a word that literally means to perceive or to be brought to an understanding of. It's not just that we know it theoretically, but he wants us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. And so I think of God being good in three areas in which I have tasted of his goodness and which you have tasted of his goodness as well. Let me just give them to you briefly. First of all, I want to say that God is good in the glad times of life. God is good in the glad times. So what do I mean when I talk about the glad times? I'm referring to those blessings that we enjoy in life and those times that we enjoy certain blessings of life. And I think of many, but let me just highlight and just point out three of them tonight. I think for one thing, I think of the times of physical enjoyment. I think sometimes that we often take our health for granted. Those that are healthy and that never battle with any kind of physical ailments, never battle with any kind of physical ha handicaps, sickness and disease, I think we often take the blessings of our health and the blessings we physically enjoy for granted. I know every one of us in this room tonight, and I am knowing more, but all of us have our aches and our pains, and we have our colds, and we have our viruses. But for the most part in this room tonight, 
We enjoy good health. And I think every one of us tonight should stop and we can say that God is good. I'm able to walk. God is good. I'm not on dialysis. God is good. I do not have cancer. God is good. I am not bedfast. God is good. And the majority of us in this room, I think sometimes we fail to be appreciative for the health that we do have. God is good to us. And when we think about the health we enjoy, we are reminded of the blessings of God that we enjoy day by day. I think about times when disease and sickness have devastated cities, towns, villages, and in some cases, entire nations. Not too long ago, I was reading, to, reading a little story about what was known or commonly known as the Black Death, that disease that ravaged Europe from 1347 to 1351, killing some quarter of the population around 20, Five million people died in those few years. The British Isles lost about 800,000. The world, as much as 75 million. One of the worst plagues in human history, a particular uh, vicious form of bubonic plague, which they later found uh, come from rats and whatever, but a black rash that caused the body. But about a quarter of the million of the population of the world died. I think of the great flu ep epidemic in 1918 and 1919. The Saturday Evening Post gave this report of the influenza epidemic at the close of World War II. They said that no recorded pestilence before or since has equaled the 1918-19 death toll in total numbers. In those years, an estimated 21 million died of influenza pneumonia around the world, some 850,000 in the United States alone. And they went on to say that more lives were lost in the flu epidemic than on the battlefields of World War II. But I think about this day, this generation. We as Americans live in a day and a time when no such epidemic exists. And I think about the time when millions and millions and millions lost their life due to disease and epidemics. We sing that little song, Ring Around the Roses, Pocket Full of Poses. That actually came out of the Black Death in London. And loved ones had to take the bodies of their loved ones and lay them out on the street. And the man in his little cart would come by. And they believed that maybe roses would purify the air and whatever and protect them and whatever like that. But aren't you glad that when we got up today, there was not some nationwide epidemic wiping out scores and scores and masses and masses of humanity. We live in a day when everyone I was ought to say, God is good. I think of the physical blessings and things we enjoy in life. I think about not only the times of physical enjoyment, but the times of material enjoyment. Never in history have we had more or enjoy more than we do tonight. These are good economic times in America. Now, everybody has their own idea why these are good epidemic times. I think those who take the credit for it the most had the least to do with it. But we live in good economic times. Unemployment rates are the lowest they have been in years. The average income is the highest that has ever been. And for the most part, we in this room, we have more and enjoy more than we've ever had, and in many cases, more than we ever thought we would have. I'm also aware that not everyone has it easy financially. And I realize that many do not possess much materially. 
I read somewhere that the average American is one month away from bankruptcy. But I think about compared to previous generations, we have more than any other generation in history. And we possess a whole lot more. And most people in this room may not be rich, but yet we are comfortable. And when we think about what we enjoy materially, we have to say God is good. It is a time of gladness. But I think also of time, a time of spiritual enjoyment. The times of gladness, God is good in our, when we enjoy our health and when we enjoy our health and if we enjoy our health tonight, we ought to say God is good. And if we've been blessed materially, we ought to say God is good. But I think of those times of spiritual enjoyment. I speak of those times when God is real to our hearts. His working is evident and His people are enjoying rich experiences in the Lord. This church here has enjoyed times of blessing. We are experiencing times of blessings from the Lord. And if there is a church in this area that ought to just stand to their feet and lift their hands and shout, God is good, it is us. God is good to us. The point I'm making is God is good. And God is good in the glad times of life. He is good during times of physical blessing, material blessing, and spiritual blessing. God is good. And as we enjoy these things and reap these things and experience them day by day, God forbid that we take them for granted and God forbid that we don't realize the source of the glad times of life. But I think of something else. God is not only good in the glad times, but I have found God to be good in the bad times. As we all know, times are not always easy. Times are not always enjoyable. There are times when things are hard. And there are times when things are difficult. And I think about the bad times of life. There are scores of things that I could list under the bad times. I think for one of times of physical affliction. As many of you know, all that it takes is one trip to the doctor for the props to be knocked out from under your world of comfort. An x-ray, the results of a test, a sudden illness, and years of glad times can suddenly become bad times. An accident that took only seconds to happen can leave you with physical problems for the rest of your life. A diagnosis can turn your night in the day. And there are those in this room that who have lived and do live under the dark cloud of physical affliction and affliction. Many of us enjoy our health. God is good. But there are some that do not enjoy the health that so many of us do. And they know the times of physical affliction. But I want you to look up here and I want you to listen to me. Regardless of what the physical affliction is, God is good it doesn't change when tragedy comes he doesn't change when adversity comes it doesn't change when we get a bad report from the doctor it doesn't change when disease ravages our body he doesn't change God is good and he's good all the time he's good not only in times of physical affliction but he's also good in times of personal adversity we all find ourselves facing the trials of life and your trial may not be a physical one. It may be a heavy burden that has nothing to do with sickness or disease. It may be some matter that you carry on your heart every waking moment of the day. James talked about these numerous kinds of trials that come our way. He 
said in James 1, 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the divers temptations. When he used the word temptation, he's not talking about an enticement to do evil. He is talking about a trial. And he talked about divers trials. That word divers is very interesting. It literally means variegated, many colored, like the many colored garment of Joseph or a variegated plant with a mixture of colors. The ideal is that there are various kinds of trials, that trials come in a diverse manner, divers trials and divers temptations. But the words, when ye fall, they speak of that which comes unexpected, like something falling upon you or around you. It was used when the Bible talked about the, uh, the, man, the man on the Jericho road that fell among thieves. And the idea was these thieves surprised him and suddenly attacked him. And James talked about these many different kinds of trials and these diverse trials and various trials that come our way and sometimes they come unexpected like a thief pouncing out from behind a rock. We're traveling our merry way. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves engulfed in adversity. One day we can be sailing calm seas and the next day rowing hard against a stormy, st stormy gale. But you listen to me tonight. God is good. God is good in the bad times. He is good in the good times. God is good all the time. He is good in the glad times, but he's just as good in the bad times. God is good. But there's another area that I think of in which God is good. He's not only good in the glad times, He's not only good in the bad times, but he's also good in the sad times. I found that if you taste of the Lord and see that he is good, even in the sad times of life, you can say God is good. I think of one, certain experiences in life. There are certain experiences that break our heart. I think of how that a friend can let us down. Maybe a friend will disappoint you. Maybe a family member will break your heart. Maybe someone around you that has been a close associate. Maybe someone in your church. But sometimes they can rip our hearts in two by their deeds and by their actions and by their words. And you find your heart grieving. But I have found that in these experiences of life, whatever that experience may be, God doesn't change. He's good. And He's good all the time. I think about certain events in life, not only certain experiences in life, such as when a friend would fail us or someone would break our hearts, but there are certain events in our life that bring sadness. Death is one of those experiences. We know it is coming, and we know that it's an unavoidable matter, and we know that somewhere we have to say goodbye to those we love, and it is a sad time. You want... I have found that the same God that was good when the sun was shining is the same God that is just as good in the midnight hour. God is good, and He's good all the time. That little chorus we've sung around here so much has been so endeared to my heart, and I have sung it out by myself, and whatever, God is good, and He's good all the time. For I have found that no matter what we, where we are in life, God he is good. So many of you have asked me how everyone is doing, and this has been my reply, because this is what it has been. God has been good to us. And I have found that God is good, not just 
saying that, but just a, an engulfing in his goodness, being totally surrounded in his goodness, and experiencing his goodness in a marvelous way. As you know, my mother-in-law went home to be at the Lord this week. The most glorious experience that I have ever been in in my life. I've been serving God since I was 16 years old. I've been in revival meetings and works of God, but I have never experienced a work of God as we as a family experienced over this past several days. And when we, of course, my wife, when we received a call on Monday evening that we needed to come home, Sherry left about 5.30 on Tuesday morning. I got out of town about 11 and had a few things to get done and whatever. I remember when I got there, walked into the room. She had not responded to anyone in several days or in, in several hours. And I walked up to her and took her by the hand. I said, Wilma, this is Ken. How are you doing? She opened her eyes and she looked at me. She couldn't talk to me. She couldn't respond. And I told her how much I loved her and what a blessing she'd been to me. And then she closed her eyes. And very little over the next two or three days, for three and a half days, night and day, we waited by her bedside and ministered to her and cared for her and loved her and told her how much we loved her and the girls sung to her night after night several times. We thought we were losing her. Several times we thought she was gone. About 2.30 one morning, uh, there was a nurse there, a hospice nurse were there around the clock and whatever. And we had stepped out to sit down for just a moment. Two or three had laid down just to get a, just a, just a few minutes rest. And the nurse said... Uh, I believe you need to come in. We thought we were losing her. But uh, the girls, she brought those little girls up. Sherry was three years old when we began to teach them to sing. And you folks that came up, you met her sisters and whatever and heard them sing in the funeral and whatever. And, uh, but she brought those little girls up from the time they were three and seven and eight years old and they sung and she traveled all over those mountains taking those little girls and singing and whatever. And about 2.30 in the morning, we gathered around her bed, and those girls gathered around, and they sung all the songs that Mama had told them how to sing. And it was a special time that night as God began to do a work in our heart, not only giving grace, but making us aware in a very special way that He is good. The next morning about 9.30, the nurse said, there's a change. We were just sit down to get a bite to eat for breakfast. We went into the room, and we really thought she was gone. And but she leveled out again and whatever. But uh, that afternoon, about 1.30, the nurse stepped out and said, it's time. We gathered around her bedside. And uh, she hadn't opened her eyes in about three days. She hadn't said, moved or done anything in about three days. And the nurse said to us, her heart is stopped. Her lungs will follow in just a moment. But about that time, women, you got to know Sherry's mom. Sherry's like her mom. Her mom loved God and worshiped Jesus. And all she ever did was just serve God and live for God and tell folks about Jesus Christ. Her home going was a testimony to that. Her funeral was a testimony to that. And I, as we were there and the nurse said, her heart has stopped. About that time, her eyes opened up real big and she looked straight up as if she was looking at this world for one final time and looking out into eternity, and then she was gone. We stood there and the girls sang, serenaded by angels, as we realized and tasted that God is good. I think about my mother-in-law who had asked a very unusual request of my wife, and I questioned it at the time, and, and I even re asked Sherry, if she would reconsider the matter. 
But uh, through the three and a half days it went through, our hearts were changed about a lot of things. And our hearts as we, as God, just did so many wonderful things, uh, so many things. But my mother-in-law had asked my wife if she would do her hair and makeup when she died. And I remember we went to the funeral home and, of course, we had saw her body dwindle down to nothing and it grieved us as we saw what disease did to her body. But there was one evening there and, and one morning, that morning on Friday morning when she went on to be with the Lord, we were there and if I hadn't saw this with my own eyes, I wouldn't believe it. I would have been very skeptical if I had heard it from anyone else. But her sister noticed it and the nurse commented and the nurse said, I have never seen anything like this. And all the nurses, and they documented whatever like that. But we were holding her little hand and we watched as her fingertips began to change. And we watched her skin as it began to turn. It almost looked like her skin was becoming the ch like a little, like a young lady. Skin spots began to disappear. Her little hands turned white. Her arms began to turn like the skin of a 25-year-old lady. We watched it throughout the next few hours as it worked its way up into her face. And it's like wrinkles disappeared and all of that which disease had done to her body. And, of course, you folks that came to the funeral home, she looked like a young lady, a beautiful princess laying there. It was the most amazing thing, most marvelous thing that we ever saw in our life. And when she died, it was like a young lady. But I carried Sherry to the funeral home, and I went with her, and I said, I'm going to go with you. She said, I'll be fine. Her sister wanted to said, my sister's going to meet me there. I said, no, I'll go with you. Because I thought... Uh, she would want me to be there, whatever like that. But God had done so much, and we got there, Tony Green, and as you know, the singing greens was the one taking care of Sherry's mom. And he took us back to the embalming room, and we walked in, and there laid her mother. Tony said, Sister Sherry, here's your precious little mother. Bless Sherry's heart, she shouted. As we saw that dear lady laying there, God is good. Are you listening to me? God is good. God is good all the time. He's good in the glad times. He is good in the bad times. He's good in the sad times. You see, there's one thing that it never changes. God is good. Let's stand our feet. Take your prayer sheet. Our missionary of the week is Gerald Zemer. Of course, there are no strangers here. Dad, their little baby boy, Zachary, on March the 9th, they're serving the Lord in Romania. I want to remember the Zemers. Our church of the week is Tabernacle Baptist Church in Kingsport, Tennessee. Pastor Cecil Sturgill, Brother Sturgill, comes each year to our conference. Let's remember Tabernacle. And then our hospital list, Kenneth Long, is still at Park Ridge Hospital. Miss Hubbard, someone told me that she fell. I hadn't been able to get it get caught up with everything going on, so I don't know all the details about everybody. Gertrude Hubbard, I want to remember her. And also, uh, Charles Plemons, this is Edgar Plemons' son, and I believe he had an accident. Uh, Evo DeBoard was sharing with me tonight. He's in the trauma unit at Erlanger. Also, Lucy Plemons' sister in Virginia has cancer, so all of these we want to remember. And so I want you to come tonight, and I want you to do three things, as we always do. I want you to pray for the Zemer family. I want you to pray for our Church of the Week, Tabernacle Baptist Church, Brother Sturgill. And then I want you to come tonight. And I want you just to talk to the Lord about how good He is. 
and just think about how good he is and tell him that he's good for he is good and he deserves to be told but he's good whether we tell him or not but he wants us to tell him and God is good in the glad times if these are glad times in your life God is good if these are bad times in your life don't lose sight that he's still good these are sad times don't lose sight that he's still good let's come gather around the altar let's take these things of the Lord God is good and he's good all the time oh he certainly is Our Father, you are good. Your goodness amazes us. You are good within yourself. You're just good. Therefore, all that you do is good. How you do it is good. When you do it is good. And you're good all the time. Lord, we come tonight to thank you for many things now serving God around in the mission field bless their work there in Romania and Eastern Europe bless Tabernacle in Kingsport bless those dear people there bless brother Cecil thank you Lord for his years of faithfulness to that work and I thank you Lord for how good they're doing now bless them Lord and continue to prosper that ministry Tabernacle in, in, in Kingsport, Brother Sturgill. Father, our special request tonight, we pray you touch them. And Lord, tonight we give you praise for just being good. We love you. You've never failed us. You've never abandoned us. You've never let us down. You are good. And I thank you, Lord, for the expressions of your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for the expressions of goodness that you often channel through your people. Thank you for these dear folks. Thank you for every expression of your goodness that has been channeled through them to our hearts in recent days. It has been very, very, very special. Thank you for them. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful lessons that you teach us. Thank you for how you draw near to us at certain points in life and introduce yourself in ways that we've never known before. You tell us in Titus that grace is a teacher. And I thank you, Lord, for how you can take the sad times and turn them into a glorious occasion. You are good. There is nobody like you. There is no one as good or as you are. And so we come tonight to thank you for being the God that you are. Lord, why do we not love you more? Why do we not seek you more? being the God that you are. So all these things, we just say, you are good, and we ask you, Lord, that your goodness be manifested in all the things we have requested tonight, for it is in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Let's stand, Rick, you got that little chorus? It's on the screen. As you go back to your seat, let's sing this little chorus together. This is a great chorus. This has been a real ministry to my heart. Let's sing it to yourself. Sing him. God is good. Yes, he is. All the time. 
He put a song of praise yes. in this, this heart of mine. God, God is good, good all the time. Through the darkest night, light will shine. God is good. You believe that? Sing it. God is good. Amen. And just before we sing it one more time in closing, uh, the teacher's meeting, if you'll forgive me, we'll pick that up next week. And uh, I have not been able to get ready for that. So if you'll forgive me, we'll postpone that and hate to interrupt your schedules uh, due to my own. But if you'll just have patience with me, we'll catch that up next week. And then this Sunday, I was rejoiced to hear about the Good Day Sunday. I hear that uh, Brian and Lisa, of course, they got little... Joshua with them tonight. They said he cried his eyes out Sunday when he got here and realized I wasn't preaching. <laughs> Amen. But uh, little Joshua. And Joe talking about those grandchildren. Those are special, aren't they? Amen. Forget those kids. Praise God. Those grandkids, they take over now. Amen. My kids say to me all the time, Tyler come through the house one day and he had one of my books. Now that's, you don't touch my books. And he was, as we would say in North Carolina, gnawing on a corner. And uh, Tim said, Tyler, put that down. Grandpa will kill you. I said, leave him alone. He said, Daddy, you slapped me across the room when I gnawed on your book. Amen. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Amen. God is good. Amen. Sing this one more time. And then you're dismissed. Everybody bring somebody Sunday. Let's come back expecting a great day in the Lord. Sing it one more time. God is, is good, good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. God is good.